Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Ready, set, go. Welcome, everybody, to the third installment of the Geoholics Anonymous. Thank you for listening. As you know, this is a little bit different format that you, than you're used to from the regular podcast. This is more of a, a roundtable discussion touching on topics, technologies, or anything that's affecting the survey and mapping industries. Uh, this week's installment is about 3D scanning and modeling. That's what we're going to be discussing tonight. And of course, we have another great panel of experts. I'm going to give each of them an opportunity to introduce themselves. I'll start with Mike. Mike, go ahead. Hi, I'm, I'm Mike Tartaglia. I work with uh, SciTech Southwest. I am the internal consultant. I work with all the sales reps on selling machine control and GPS technology software and drones. And I do all of the training on Trimble Business Center and UAS Master. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Marco. I'm Marco Sakala, um, uh, founder of Takeoff Professionals, which is now in the capable hands of uh, Empire Southwest, the Caterpillar dealer for Arizona and Southern California. Um, I've been involved in all things 3D data since its inception before GPS was actually being used uh, in machine control and survey. And uh, my current position allows me the opportunity to um, stay abreast of software, look at things, help our engineers and clients uh, when those difficult situations arise. And obviously, uh, collection and assimilation of 3D data is one of them. Fantastic. Thank you, Marco. Robert. Yes. So this is Robert Beck, General Manager of Building Point West. Uh, we're a technology provider for the building construction world. And uh, I, I kind of like what Mike um, said, you know, internal consultant, right? I, I, I'm not just general manager. I think I'm internal consultant to our sales team, our staff, uh, and the general public. Um, as well as janitor, romper room monitor, a lot of times with uh, the employees. Um, I've been at this for, oh geez, probably pushing 30 years now um, in the civil engineering world and building construction world. So, yeah, so Mark and I, Marco and I go quite a ways back. We do. Uh, back to the old terra model days of modeling for machine control. Mm -hmm. And I jumped over to the vertical side uh, with the building construction. So it's fun. Awesome, awesome. Let's go out. Let's move to Ted, who's got the uh, probably the coolest title in the group. Ted. Well, I mean, before title, I'm a recovering surveyor. So let's make <laughs> sure that's out there. Um, but uh, no, Chief Innovation Officer for uh, Zealous. And Zealous, we, uh, we really focus on reality capture. So laser scanning, um, creation of digital twins, and then we bring that into the the greenfield with uh, VDC and BIM services. Very cool, very cool. And of course, my name's Kent, AKA Dilfy Dilf, host of the Geoholics. Before we get into the serious stuff, I wanna ask each of you guys kind of a funny question. Um, and it's gonna be the same question for all of you, so no surprises here. What, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna start with you, Ted. Um, what guilty pleasure or I guess habit have you started uh, are taken up during your COVID uh, quarantine? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I thought I was going to have a whole lot more time on my hands. Uh, somebody lied to me. I thought working at home, I'd be at the pool. <laughs> Not so much the case, but I'll tell you what, when I can sneak it in, I like to do a little Fortnite. Oh, there you go. 
Yeah. I like it. How about you, Robert? Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way there. I thought, you know, maybe you could, things would slow down a little bit, but uh, things have just changed, right? You know, what I was doing six weeks ago, um, you know, now it's um, managing more chaos, it seems a little bit, right? So, you know, with all of our sales team out and about and going and who's doing what, making sure that everybody's up and going. And then uh, from a guilty pleasure home life, um, that doesn't, has, hasn't seemed to, uh, come around, uh, the wife uh, has created a really big to-do list thinking that I'm home more. So, no, that's what I'm doing. Right on, getting caught up. Uh, Marco? Um, You know, I've had a masterclass subscription since about Thanksgiving and haven't looked at one of them. Well, it's like, okay, I'm going to force myself during this whole COVID thing to start doing things. So basically, uh, at least in the past couple of weeks, I've been listening to Gordon Ramsay use a bunch of four-letter words, but teach me how to cook great stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Mike? Um, same thing as Robert, honey to-do lists. Um, we're, we're knocking it off. The good part about this is, and the bad part is, my son is one of the fine dining chefs at Kai Restaurant. And unfortunately, he's laid off at this time. So he's kind of become my little go-to guy. Well, I need this to get done on the list, that to get done on the list. So we're knocking off the honeydew list, but I got got into growing orchids. So I now have about five different types of orchids that I am now maintaining and learning how to transplant and and grow into bigger pots. That's awesome. (laughs) Can Can I redo mine? There's mulligans here, dude. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, taking a master's MBA course in, uh, you know, online from MIT. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, kill us all. That's it. Yeah, Ted. There you go. I'm playing video games over here. Yeah, yeah, well. I'm uh, watching Gordon Ramsay swear. Come on. What's the deal? Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you mine. So this is pretty low, I suppose. When I'm sitting at – at my desk and I got the TV in front of me and, you know, set up pretty good. And uh, don't ask me how I came across this, but on YouTube, I started watching these magnet fishing guys. Have you seen this stuff? These guys have like this magnet on the end of a rope that can (laughs) collect like 800 pounds of metal. Right. And they're literally just throwing this magnet out into like a stream, you know, a river, a lake or whatever, and just kind of hauling in, whatever they can attach to off the bottom of the, of, of the body of water. And it's absolutely freaking amazing what these guys are drumming up. It's crazy. Okay. But you got to give us an example. You can't yeah. just say whatever, like, yeah. I mean, Oh yeah. Cool example. Um, this, this one guy, he's got like a YouTube channel, you know, specifically about his uh, magnet fishing adventures. And just yesterday he posted a video of him magnet fishing under this bridge, like this old bridge you can tell. And He's like, holy crap, I got something. He's like, you know, really struggling to pull this thing out of the water, pull this thing out of the water. And sure as shit, it's like an old safe, right? And it's open and everything. And there's a drawer in the safe. And he starts pulling this stuff out of the store. And you can tell that it's not like he planted it there. I mean, the thing has been there for God knows how long. But he's finding like all these old coins in there and stuff like that. But it's just, it's crazy the stuff that they find. You know, a lot of guns and crazy stuff like that. But um Check it out. For some reason, for me, it's addicting. I don't know if it's just the, you know, the excitement of watching these guys drag in whatever the hell they have. I have no idea. 
it's it's mindless TV, kind of like ridiculousness. <laughs> and and Ted, just to think, you were feeling guilty. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm good now. I'm, I the magnet fisherman just why I you know I mean I need my wife to hear this, honey. Look, okay, yeah. I'm I'm doing something constructive. I've made a nice souffle for you. You know. <laughs> well, I was thinking he was going to go with like. I caught a great white that swallowed a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> had a safe in his stomach and it was like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, not that good, but uh, pretty entertaining for some reason. I don't know. All right, let's get into this. So as I mentioned earlier, our topic tonight is 3D scanning and modeling, and we have a great panel of experts here. And thank you guys all again for being here. This is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of people out there doing this as far as scanning and making models and stuff like that. And I, I kind of compared a little bit to guys that are out there using, you know, drones or UAVs to do mapping. Um, there's the right way to do it and there's the wrong way to do it and there's stuff in between that's going on everywhere and it's hard to get reliable data all the time so with that being said let's get into this um first and foremost and i'll start with you mike uh in, in your opinion what what is required to generate you know or uh, i guess collect accurate 3d data well first it has to start with the beginning part of having making sure that the information you're getting is accurate and 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 you're able to take that information from that and create something that is very usable to everybody out in the field so in, in all honesty it starts from the very beginning of the accumulation and design and then from there on our end and i'm talking about machine control side that's what is is really needed to to get going is to get the accurate information Agreed. Got to have a good foundation to build off of. Yes. Uh, Marco. You know, um, to, to dovetail into what Mike was talking about, I look at, at any type of advanced current data collection as just a way to, to do more standing topo shots that we did as surveyors back in the old days. So the rules still apply. Let's have good survey control. Let's get things tied down. Uh, I'll talk a little bit later, probably, as, as a question arises about the difference, what we do when we go from LIDAR to photogrammetry. But um, collection method is is critical, but most importantly is back checks. Just make sure you're, you're right. Let's do some points on the surface. Let's see where we are. Let's do reality check. And then you can confidently use that data in whatever manner you want to. Very good. Robert. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just echo the same thing, but get a little different spin on it. Um, you know, accurate as-built data is, you know, king, queen, whatever you want to say, right? Um, it's so how, however you get that to actually build from and build by, um, you know, that's what we do is we consult with our customers to say, hey, here's the right tool, here's the right method to get what you need to achieve. Uh, prime example, I had a customer call me a couple years back. And they were just hell bent on 3D laser scanning. We got to go scan. We got to go scan. We got to go scan. And I'm like, all right, um, what are you trying to achieve, right? So backed into it, and they were trying to get anchor vault locations in about 400 places. Hmm. Yep, laser scanning is not what you want, right? We need to go in with total station, shoot those singular points, bring that back in. Then we have customers that are hell bent on a total station. I just need to get a couple shots. Nope, laser scanner is the way to go, right? So you got to really kind of do a deep dive discovery. What are they trying to get out of it first and then back into the method um, of how we actually want to get there. 
and what what type of tool do we want to use it to collect it? Yep, you said it right there. Another tool in the toolbox. Yep, I know its limitations. Uh, Ted, so totally agree. Right, accuracy. First of all, to get accurate data, you have to understand what you're shooting for. So, you know, a lot of our effort goes into understanding the client needs so that we can make sure we're accommodating it. Uh, one of the most difficult transitions from the, the strictly land survey world into something where it's more professional service like laser scanning, you know, a service provider is backing off of that, that preconceived notion that everything has to be survey grade accurate. I mean, sometimes it doesn't. So, um, you know, understanding what the goal is before you start planning the, the exercise of acquiring the information is really important. And then um, just to throw a resource out there to everybody, uh, I'm one of the founding board members of the USIBD. Um, these guys do great work. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, the US Institute of Building Documentation, but very strong survey representation there. They have something called the LOA and it's a level of accuracy model, right? It sort of mimics the LOD that you see in BIM uh, that's been rolled out by the AGC. But my gosh, that's just acronym soup right there. But what you end up getting is uh, a great format driven off of survey principles that helps you validate um, and ensure that level of accuracy of reality capture is being held. Very good. So it sounds like the common thread I see between all your answers there is a lot of your job is educating the client and I guess even before that getting an understanding of what the deliver or the expected deliverable is and once you have that you can kind of guide the client to you know make the best decision is this a, a project or a task that is suitable to use you know laser scanning or should it be done conventionally or should it be done whatever there's so many different ways to skin a cat but it all boils down to what the client is expecting at the end Absolutely. And, and, and to, to, you know, we're, we're all, you know, we're on the unique position of trying to help somebody to do something they number one, haven't done before two probably aren't used to and, and three expect amazing results because that's what they heard when they realized like, like Robert said, Oh, the laser, the total station, the scanner, uh, the drone. So if I get this thing and I throw it up in the air, everything's great. And, we unfortunately are the ones that take the arrows trying to help these people to adopt a technology and get good at it. And it's the same thing we all went through when GPS first came to use. Um, there was never a system sold. Now, I'm talking back in the geotracer days, for those of you who were like, you know, here before the earth cooled, um, that part of the sale was spending, yeah, Robert, right? A week in the field with somebody and walking them through this archaic software and screens that couldn't take sunlight. So this is just the, the, the new version of it. And we're re required to get you up to speed and make you good at it. And it's not easy, but that's what we are tasked with. Yeah, um, and, I, and, I, and I agree with Marco on that. Um, one of our clients this week called on Thursday and they have a huge bid that needed to go out and it was 82 miles of road, access roads that they needed to uh, work on or redesign and, and things like that. So they called and they were hell bent on having a drone. And they wanted me to come out there, teach them how to fly the drone to get this information. So it became from that point, not a sales tool, it became more of an educating to them. And what they really needed was 
a software package that was able to bring in USGS maps, overlay the new access roads, come up with kind of a design for bill because there was no design and then put it out for an estimate. They didn't need to have the drone at the time. So educating people what they need for accurate data is huge. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, about using this data for machine control purposes. And I know I was yep. going to reverse order here, but I know that's kind of your thing. So I want to want to let you start the conversation about um, about machine control and, you know, how, how this all ties together. Well, as uh, Marco would say, and I'm going to steal basically his key thing is uh, the machines have become a 3D printer out there. And the information that goes into them and the way the machine builds it is only as accurate as the person that's educated enough to put the information together. So again, it comes back to the educating what information do you need, uh, CAD, CAD file wise? How do you get the elevations to them? How do you check the information in the office first? So it goes, what we're, what we're doing now is basically doing what all of us did back in the olden days when we would get a set of plans and then they would come up with a revision. And now what do we do? We stood there at the back of the tailgate, looking at these set of plans with a total station, a tape, uh, a tape measure, uh, a scale and we're trying to figure out how to get this laid out so the machine can grade what needs to be done. Now what we need to do is reverse that and train the person in the office to be able to have the mindset to be able to visualize the site and make that decision in 3D on a computer before it goes out to the machine. Yeah, amazing technology. Uh, Marco. Sir. You want me to, to I, yeah, you want I touch did it all. You want me to, the machine control aspect? The machine control aspect? Mm -hmm. um, so if you're going to collect any type of information in the field and, and it needs to, to, to be utilized in, in, in the office or, or machine control or something, and let's take the, the, the best use of, of hybrid data. So, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Ted and I'm going to say, Ted, you need to go out and shoot this site for me. They're, they're redoing this, this uh, shopping center and I want you to do LIDAR. And we take the approach of, of there's two distinct um, uh, things that we're going to extract from this job. The first thing is the critical LIDAR stuff that we want. So we're going to take his, his information and we're going to run these great brake lines along top of curb, face a curb. And if there's a street, we're going to get center lines and so forth. We're going to try to automate that as much as possible, maybe a center line and do some offsets. And then the balance of the job, the, the, the dirt part, we're going to dumb down the information because everybody is drinking from the fire hose. We, we're collecting millions of points and we don't need millions of points. We need hundreds of points and we can be happy. Um, we had the advantage of, of, of doing uh, all the data and, and basically design build of the, the largest construction project in the state of Arizona, um, the 202 project that connected uh, I-10 and, and um, uh, I, well, both parts of, uh, of I-10, I guess. And um, we, we used data that was that was really rich and detailed, but guess what? We didn't need it all everywhere. So where it was responsible, we did all that work, and where it wasn't, we kind of dumbed it down. So for machine control, use what you need. You've always got it. The collected information remains in your possession in case you have to go back to the well and dig it out, but never 
use more than you need to because it slows down computers, it makes jobs more difficult, and it's just not necessary. Hmm. Very interesting. Robert? Yeah, from a, a building's perspective with uh, 3D laser skating, right? It's, you know, to kind of go off of uh, Mike and Marco's, you know, the 3D printing, right? Um, we kind of round trip it, right? So in my world, hopefully everybody's working from the same federated 3D BIM model, right? So hopefully a model's developed and everybody builds by it using a robotic total station and then everything's accurate and poof, it goes up great, right? Um, in reality, that's not what happens, right? So you get some trades using the, you know, the best technology and they go out and, and build and you get other trades that aren't and guess what, it's not accurate. So they hire us to come in, 3D laser scan and figure out, all right, how is it actually built, even though it was built last week, right? Were the floors 10 feet or were they nine feet, nine inches, right? Um, you know, in between. So we've been hired. So one of the benefits of our company is we sell the technology, we train the technology, but we also offer it as a service. And so we get hired for those one-offs to where, you know, hey, we don't think it's built right. And we got to manufacture the stainless steel staircase for this $10 million home. Um, can you come out and scan it for us and tell us what it really is? So once we ship it, you know, to Aspen or Vail or wherever, it'll fit. Um, so yeah, so we kind of get the whole round tripping from the very beginning. Um, you know, hopefully it's built right to no, it's not built right. Let's as built it. Now let's take that model and let's actually build it right. Gotcha, gotcha. How about you, Ted? Well, I'll tell you what, I don't have too much to add on the machine control, but I can tell you I'm hearing a lot about um, a lot about laser scanning and trying to justify the use of the technology. And I'm, I'm going to share a secret with everybody that's listening right now. You know, this is what we do for a living at Zealous, and um, we try not to talk about it. Because for us, it's not about the technology, right? It's about the end goal. So regardless of, of how we're going to do our jobs, we're all professionals here, right? I'm not going to be dictated by a client whether I use GPS or total station or, you know, what, what level of second my gun is. That's, that's not something that I even discuss. So my recommendation to the audience is when you're talking about applying, you know, laser scanning technology, just keep a focus on the, on the goal and don't look at the tech. So, you know, a little bit of a segue. I apologize. I'll get off my soapbox, but I, I definitely wanted to share that. Well, I mean, Ted, you're, you're, you're approaching the deliverable, which is, which, is, which is great when there's a deliverable specified level of accuracy, you know, I mean, they're not going to specify collection uh, format, but yeah. what happens with, with us, with our clients in the field, they're like, I got to do topo every week. What's the best way to do it? So when we approach, um, you know, and, and Robert does this, you know, and, and you do too, Ted, for a living, they give you the rules and you play by those rules, you know, as far as a deliverable is concerned, how you get there, well, I, you know. I think it's a big differentiator, right? Because uh, when we're talking about, you know, working with a provider to, you know, impart a technology, it's going to help them execute a workflow compared to going directly to the consumer, right? The person that's looking for that end deliverable. So just to distinguish the difference between the two, I, the reason I bring it up is we've made the mistake for many years. We went out and we evangelized laser scanning, right? And we said, oh my gosh, look how amazing this is. And what ended up happening 
is people said, well, where can we buy a laser scanner? And I'm a service provider, you know, so I sold a lot of scanners, but, uh, you know, Thanks, Jen, was, uh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a long, long haul to, to figure out how to, to change that messaging. So I, I imagine a lot of the group that we're going to get in the audience right now is going to be on that service provider side, whether you're a professional land surveyor or you're someone in the documentation industry, you know, so just a, a shout out to you guys. Don't um, talk about the tech if you can. Right. And I, I totally respect also the position that it, we're, we're also going to discuss in this group, you know, how to evaluate the technology as that service provider. So just trying to distinguish between the two because it's easy to make the mistake and go talk tech to a client and they're like, okay, I'll take one. That's well, so for us. yeah. And so Ted, that's, I mean, that, that's a great point. So one of the things that, you know, we try to talk to customers about is just as you said, is what is your end game? What's the deliverable you're really, really after, you know, the industry, the technology industry, the providers, you know, from Trimble to Leica to, you know, Topcon to Ferro to all the different laser scanner man manufacturers have been this race to how many points per second can I collect, right? And now, so we've got laser scanners now that are two, 2 million points a second. Awesome. And you have people now collecting 2 million points a second, but you can't handle that much data. I mean, I did a project last spring and it was over 700 scans. We were well over a terabyte of data and just trying to get that just we were able to bring it in, register it, make a whole point cloud. But this, the delivery mechanism to copy and paste it to an external drive, ship it, get it to them, have them the ability to open up and do something with it. That was the hardest part of the whole process. I can laser scan anything. I can register it. But getting it to somebody, these files are so massive. And then if they really don't know what they're doing, wow, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, so I mean, the, so, go Ted. Let me just ask, who's buying laser scan data? Right, uh, because I'm not selling it to people. I'll tell you that much. I'm turning it into something. So, so a I'm lot not, of it's architects, right? So a lot, I, I do a lot of work with architects because they've researched and found out, hey, you know, we need this data to figure out what's there, right? So we did one project where it was, a, you know, it's a 50-year-old elementary school. Not a big one. It was a small job, but. They, there's no drawings, there's nothing there, and they could have gone in with a tape measure and done an architectural survey and pipes and dimensioning and boilers and everything else, but it's much, much easier to go in and scan it. We were done in 45 minutes and turned over that data that they could model from because some of them have that capability. But you're right, Ted. Yeah. A lot of that is taking that and now saying, and part of the coaching that we do is, once again, what's the deliverable? Well, we want to model. Okay, perfect, right? So now let's take that data and we'll model it for you to the LOA and LOD standards that we're gonna go through and make sure that we deliver that. So now we're dealing with a much smaller file size and a deliverable that they actually want versus yes, you're right, a terabyte file of scan data that they're going, oh, how do we even copy and paste this onto my computer? <laughs> yeah, it's almost like uh, how much is enough, you know? Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, and, and we, we we've gone we've gone round and round with this, and you know we've got the great advantage of having civil and and vertical people on the same table, and in my world, 
the civil world, not as much matters to what it does with Robert scanning the school or, or, or Ted going out and, you know, taking shots of, of, of the hospital they're building and making sure that the pipes are in the right place, or at least they're archiving the information. So yes, but then it falls back on, on Ted's concept of, look, I'm not dropping a point cloud in your lap. You're asking me to give you a thing and that thing might be where the pipes are. In my world, that thing might be where the curbs are or where the pipes underground are or where the dirt is so I can, I can go get this change order. So, so yes, I mean, the end game is there, but so many of us get involved in, in the steps along the way, dealing with the person who, where do I buy a scanner? What's the best way to do a drone? And we have to address that. I mean, that's how we make our living and, and how we advance um, the, the technology. Yeah, absolutely. And now we're talking a lot about, about data and there's different ways that the, these data sets can be, um, can be acquired. You know, there's terrestrial LIDAR, there's mobile LIDAR, they're, you know, putting LIDAR on drones and UAVs now and, you know, planes for that matter. Um, what are, I mean, I guess, what are, what are, what are, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? What are some of the, uh, I guess, best practices that you guys uh, are seeing and how do you how do you collect data accurately and what do you do to to verify it now let uh, Ted go first with this one. Oh all right this is a that's loaded yeah but I can tell you let, let me try to take it at a high level you know we evaluate things you know all the tools we use we use Trimble we use Sparrow we use Leica um, and each one of those groups generates different hardware pieces, right? So I like to compare them to hammers. And I say, you can have a bunch of hammers, but they're all gonna do different things. I'm not gonna take a sledgehammer to the roof to try to nail in shingles, right? So I think that understanding what your hardware is capable of is, is imperative, just right out of the gate. Um, practices for ensuring accuracy. I would say during that testing phase, um, we, we would run through like, mimic projects right so we're going to test it we're going to we have a control base so that control base is established initially with survey control so we go out with the highest accuracy equipment we can and we gather information then when we bring equipment in to test it we're scanning we're registering and then we're comparing points back to that that control right and that's how we're establishing what our our accuracy is the other thing that I can I can provide as just a, a tip and trick to everybody is use those traverse methodologies that you know have been instilled in us as surveyors to your advantage, right? Closing loops, reducing natural error, reducing the, these things all apply, right? And and if you can figure out how to take some of those concepts and replicate them into your scanning workflow, right, you're gonna you're gonna get a much better result all the time. Got it. Thanks, Ted. Robert. Yeah, so um, I think Ted just kind of nailed it there, right? Is you know, sir, just because we have technology and we've implemented workflows that we can teach most anybody to run, doesn't mean they should run it, <laughs> right? Just because now you have a scanner that has a big blade button and you hit it and it starts scanning, right? And then software that does you know plane-based registration, um, you know, you go out there and say, yeah, I'm going to do, you know, a 200,000 square foot building and expect it all to fall into place. Yeah. I mean, we've got, I've, there's a lot of service providers that I've run into um, that went out 
thought they could do it on their own, invested in the technology and messed up a lot of projects um, because they didn't come back and do the basic survey functionality, right? So they didn't know how to georeference. They didn't run the traversing. Um, they didn't go back in and do their checks and they just thought, I'm gonna hit play, scan it, register it, ship it off to the customer and things are worked, right? And then that brings the understanding the different technologies because you know, not all scanners are created equal. Um, not all different types of scanners, right? You know, I think the market's getting kind of confused now with you've got structured light scanners, you've got uh, SLAM technology, then you've got, you know, our, our traditional, you know, time of flight scanners and you got phase-based and you got all this stuff and people don't know what to make sense of what's what, right? And what the end result's really going to get them based upon what the LOA needs to be. So that's part of that education process that, you know, we're heavily involved with. Yep. Again, it goes back to using the right tool in the toolbox. Yep. Yeah, right uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Marco. Um, I want to discuss, it, you know, the, the, the hybridization of, of information. So people come to me a lot and say, gee, what do I do? I've got a drone and I, 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 I've got a civil project and, and I want to acquire data. And I want to use my drone to fly uh, weekly and, and make sure I get the right amount of dirt because nobody wants to get ahead in the billing, but they want to make sure they get enough money. But along the way, initially, there's, let's say they employ a LIDAR scan. We go out there and, and, and they hire a service provider and I want to scan the job. And I see this massive disconnect where we get scan data and then they start using uh, photogrammetry data and guess what the two never meet and they never get close to each other and all of a sudden there's this train wreck at the start of the job so we work on this data to make it work together and sometimes it get it gets real ugly but we have to have a starting point and my advice is if you're going to do one thing, kind of stick with it the whole way. Or if you get a LIDAR scan at the beginning, give us that and we're going to pocket it, but also fly it. And then we're going to take and, and we're going to do some internal adjustments because when you're done, you're going to scan it also because you're going to need as-builds. And the best way to do as-builds is with a scanner because it's done and we can shoot the manholes and everything is there and it's instantaneous. But we're also going to take and use the corrections that happen with the weekly drone flights. So my advice is when, when you're using multiple data collection vehicles, um, there are ways around it. But if you look under this hat, there's some gray hair. And that's the reason I have it, is trying to make those two work together. So take that as advice of an old guy. And that's probably the, the best information that you can use. You know, collect data, but understand that it's going to take some work. Hey, Marco, at your age, just be glad you have hair. <laughs> Absolutely. No, ever, ever since my broad mind and narrow waist changed places, I, it, it can come in green, dude. I don't care. It's I mean, there's a lot of it, too. Look at this. I got it. <laughs> now with COVID, I, I used a weed eater. You probably can't tell. I'm, I'm buying a Flobie online. <laughs> yeah, get in line for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. It, it, behind the toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about you, Mike? Well, I, I think it all comes down to one education and two, knowing what inform what you're looking at when you get the information uh, that that comes in, and knowing how to actually use the technology. Like in in one in one instance where I'm able to, I'm working with a landfill that can't fly any drones or do any scanning because of the 
airports being around and in between an Air Force base. So what we're able to do is extract a point cloud from the machine and bring bring that in. And knowing what you're looking at at the time and being able to clean it up and weed it out to make it usable is, is something that people have to understand and be able to visualize. And that's a big part of what we're training, again, is where did this information come from? How accurate is it? And what are you looking at? And what do you need out of that information? Because like when Marco and Ted and Robert said, you can get hundreds and hundreds of points, but you may only need a thousand of those points in order to generate something. And then also educating everybody because everybody's out here now and they hear about the technology, GPS, they hear about scanners, total stations. Well, to understand the relationship and how the two work, where you can't go out there with a GPS unit and set baseline for a paving machine that is going to be running uh, total stations with the prism. And we've seen where people would call up in a panic because now nothing is lining up and everything like that. So it comes back down to education. So yes, th there's a lot of information out there, but you need to be educated and know what you're doing and how to do it. And the information needs to be used in the right way. All great advice. Thanks guys. Um, so me being a surveyor, um, I guess my question is, you know, where, where does the surveyor fit in? to all of this modeling and data collection. Um, in a lot of ways, again, I, I go back to comparing the technology to drones or UAVs. You know, anybody can go out there and buy a drone or a UAV and the proper mm -hmm. software and fly a five acre site, prepare a 3D model, give that to a contractor and say, here you go, use this. You know, same thing with the scanning side of things. You know, you can use a scanner mobile scanner, whatever, to make a model of your surface, which by definition is considered land surveying. Mm -hmm. What does and doesn't have to be signed off by a surveyor? Ted, why don't you go on this? Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, I, I would uh, suggest that maybe making a model of a surface isn't the definition of land surveying. Sorry, like Ken, I'm going to, I'm going to agree to disagree with you on that one. Um, if you, I've done a lot of work into the state statutes and understanding exactly what is and what isn't land surveying. Um, and the way that I understand it, um, land surveying outside of the, the traditional boundary right assessment, which absolutely is land surveying. When you get into construction, uh, land surveying is the establishment of the boundary and then establishment of the points that the construction is, is, you know, led from. So um, I, I would say that I, when we start moving into that space, I don't know that that land surveying is going to have a, um, what would you say, a, a, a litigious position, right, to justify, you know, hey, we have to do this because we're surveyors. And honestly, I think that that's an archaic uh, method of coming at business, right? Uh, land surveyors have an incredibly valuable service. And that's one thing that attracted me to the industry is that, you know, we're, we're basically attorneys, right? That are out there making determinations on property, some of the most valuable assets that we can have. And when we move into construction, we've blended what that value is from the, the you know, understanding and, and uh, making determinations on land. And we're trying to just use that that um 
that legal position that we controlled, you know, boundary work with and trying to transition that over into construction. And it's just not going to happen. I mean, the way things are working today, it's going to con- completely, you know, move out. We're, we're selling robotic total stations to, to MEP trades, right? They're laying out their, their work. Does that make them land surveyors? No, right? But also what they're doing, I don't think should be defined as land surveying. Right. So it's it can when you get into that realm of construction staking, which is where I think we are, that's a it's a tough nut to crack. But I I, I would say that um, surveyors approach it from a business standpoint, right? Lose shed that that perception that I have a right to do this and it should be protected. And start saying, I'm a master of metrology, right? Nobody should be doing this better than me. I need to get out there in these buildings and go vertical. I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. I get calls. I'm going to call this week about layout, right, for an envelope contractor. And they, they're they scrambling to try to figure out, you know, how do we get this resource um, through a vendor? That should be a land surveyor, right? I mean, if I'm doing construction staking, that's something I'm biting into and I'm just running with. Same with these these robotic total stations and, and equipment layout. This is the way that the world's going. So whether or not I can I can you know justify that it's a protected position, hey, that's debatable. But by all means, I should be the absolute best and most efficient at doing it, right? So whether I'm out there doing layout with uh, robotic total stations for penetrations and bangers and pre pours, or I am out there with a laser scanner and I'm validating the existing conditions or integrating as part of a BIM execution team for a general contractor and in charge of running QAQC on installation verification. Right? There are so many opportunities for surveyors to start expanding right, their revenue, oper- their, their revenue um, sources that it's just staggering. And, it, and honestly, it's just, I get all worked up when I, when I, I get pulled into the conversations about what's serving and what's not, what should be protected. I'm like, you know, just go get it guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with, uh, with you. I think surveyors, you know, probably missed the boat a little bit on GIS and, you know, I used the drone example and, uh, you know, when you look at the statutes, I mean, what a lot of these guys are doing is perfectly legal and, uh, which is, you know, a little frustrating to surveyors, of course, um, when guys are taking money out of their pocket, you know, that in, in their minds anyways, have no business developing, you know, models like that. But uh, yeah, it's still a bit of a gray area, no doubt about it. Yeah, um, part of that problem is, is I think as Ted said, they didn't take it and run with it. Um, and yeah. I was the tip of the spear back in the 90s of bringing a lot of this machine control stuff to market, right? And we, we ran with it and we're like trying to get the surveyors involved with developing uh, models for the machine control to run with and they wouldn't. And so we had to go out there as a manufacturer and say, all right, the customers want to buy it. The contractors want to grade with it. So we're going to have to develop software and train them on how to develop their models. And Marco and Mike, right? We, we were there, buddy. We were there. Yep. So we were the tip of the spear saying, hey, you know, surveyors do this, right? Become the geo information managers so they don't have to do that. Well, they spent more time fighting the technology thinking that the bulldozer blade was a prism pole 
you know, taking their job away. It's like, it's a bulldozer blade folks, right? And it's just gonna do the model. So get on board or be run over. And well, let's just say, I don't get Christmas cards from a lot of surveyors. <laughs> <laughs> Which just blows me away because I mean, you look at surveying too and surveying is an, it's an aging profession, right? And it has been. And that was another thing that was really attractive to me is I'm like, man, everybody's gonna be gone. It's just gonna be me in, in 20 years. I can charge whatever I want. But the, now that struggle, right, is it's hard to watch because I look at it and I say, this is one of the sexiest professions that there is, right? You talk, we're running drones. We have 3D scanners. This is like a sci-fi movie, right? And we still struggle to get people interested in it. What the heck's the deal here? And a lot of that is there's, I've worked for a lot of surveyors. I've worked with a lot of surveyors. And unfortunately, I get a lot of resistance. There's that fight right that we're hearing about here they want to fight it yep. and it's yep. just embrace it that's yeah. my my plea to the group you know when, when when i first started in the early 80s my ultimate goal was to be a licensed surveyor but unfortunately but i shouldn't say unfortunately i'm glad my wife's not in the room but when we decided to get married and start to raise a family i could not raise a family on a wage that a surveyor was paying me. So that's when I went into construction surveying and that's where I've stayed ever since. And unfortunately I have been declined on my paperwork for my exam five times because I do not have, you know, property survey, but the way I look at it with the, the things that we have done on construction on highways and some of the uh, math and the thinking we have to do on a site, I think some of that should count towards that. And I, I think if we can stop, not to get sidetracked, if we can, you know, maybe start changing the mindset a little bit of that, we may be able to get some of these people that are in the construction industry to embrace the, te to te embrace the word survey and the survey profession a little more. And to, Mike, to Mike's point, right, I was denied too, right? I'm trying to get my LSI. I had a decade of experience in that, but I was, yep. because I, I, I had the opportunity to get behind a computer and actually process the information, right? Yep. I, was, I spent five years out gathering it, six years, whatever it was, but because some of my experience was taking the information they were providing me and then deciding what it meant, that all of a sudden wasn't surveying. Right. right. I got my LSI, but I had to go to California for it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's insane. It's a broken system. It really is. No doubt. And if you guys haven't figured this out already, surveyors are historically stubborn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it just, just, a, it, well, first of all, sidebar, I'm out of beer and Ted, you're a lot more boring than you were a few minutes ago. It just, <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're more fun with beer. So just, Keep that in mind at the next party. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny. Have I got stories? And and you know, I'm I'm I've been at this literally since it began. And and there's two big things I had to, to write these down. First of all, we had um, everything, including lawsuits from from states as as a company. Tops. When I first started out, you're building models. You're doing a surveyor's job. You're doing a survey, and I can run down the laundry list, but there were a lot of states. So. I got through all that and they realized and I had to educate them. The next thing I did was I spent the next 10 years going and speaking to state and regional surveyor conventions and saying, people, look, these people aren't taking your business. Here's what you need to do. But guess what? 
you don't have to spin around and go and put that point back in because somebody backed over it because they have that information in their hand. So let's all get on the same page and make this thing work. Well, guess what? And you know, Kent, you nailed it. They're stubborn. It didn't happen. So with all that being said, we have the same tools that they do, but we're not doing the same thing. And, and you'll see if, if, you, if you read a lot of the stuff I write and, and you see a lot of the things I talk about, I don't say staking a point. I call it locating because surveyors take points and us knuckleheads in the field locate stuff. So let's differentiate because I don't want to be responsible for staking something. I don't want to be responsible for those final ass builds. You tell me where the storm goes and I'll make sure I'm there and then I can do my stuff. So the, the, you know, I mean, one of our, one of our employees who is, is now the regional uh, manager for, for Keywood survey department, uh, Dan Leslie, when he was a surveyor in Tucson, he would build the model and put it in a Topcon uh, a, a GPS, and he would go to the contractor, hand him a GPS, and say, call me when you need something, and, and drive away. And they would do their work, and when they got you know, flummoxed, they needed a curb laid out or something changed, they would call. So yes, we have the same technology that surveyors do, but no, we don't do the same thing that surveyors do. I think we make their job easier because you don't do a bunch of stupid stuff now. Mm -hmm. Well, I, yeah, I want to take that, and I don't know if I'm jumping way ahead here. Um, okay. maybe, maybe I do on the future thing, right? So on that with surveyors, right? It's hey, folks, you know, you need to get on board quick because you know, I, I guess this is a podcast, so you can't see, but I'm holding up an iPhone, right? So iPhones have GPS, and the technology for the correction signals is getting better and better and better. And, you know, so are we ever going to be millimeter accuracy with our iPhone? I don't know. Um, I'm not going to say no, <laughs> right? Um, but I'm not going to say yes either. Um, so it, it comes back to round tripping this into quality of the data that's put in, right? Who's managing that data of what we want, where we want it? The positioning technology is light years ahead where it was when I started in the 90s, early 90s. Um, and it's only going to get better. It's only going to get faster, better, and cheaper to where we have an iPhone with a little GPS receiver and a correction signal from, you know, an RTX or something. And we're going to get super accurate with better technology uh, with less need for surveyors to set up base stations or robots. So yeah. surveyors get on board. <laughs> With the data. Oh, absolutely. Otherwise, you know, yeah. left in the dust, just like uh, the other examples I mentioned. Yeah. Um, in in the, all honesty, Ken, I think everybody here can learn from each other. You know, guys like myself can learn a lot from you. And I think there's some things that maybe you guys can learn from us. And I think if we all just start to work together, you know, we, we wouldn't have that surveyor against layout person, you know, butting heads all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. hundred percent. We have a, uh, we have a habit of, of trying to share our information with everybody. And in the beginning it was not accepted. It's like, we don't need it. We have our own stuff. We do our own layout. And now I'm not sure on the numbers, but I know it's over about 40%. When we build a file of a job, that information goes to our client who's the contractor 
the surveyor, and then back to the engineer as a QAQC because we want to see what you're doing and, and you want to see how we've interpreted what you've done, make sure water flows downhill, all that kind of stuff, and put everybody in the loop. And we drag them kicking and screaming, but the best jobs are the ones where everybody literally is on the same page. I mean, if we send out that data, 0.561 is the same for everybody. And that's when it gets really slick. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I think you nailed it. You know, the technology is just going to continue to advance. I, uh, I think I mentioned on the last podcast, I saw this, uh, this drone that they're developing uh, in Europe. And maybe, maybe it's already you know, working there. I have no idea, but it literally had like a, almost like a, you know, like a machine gun type rotor of stakes, like survey stakes. And this thing would literally fly out over the site, hover down to the, you know, the location and shoot that stake in the ground. Oh, it's crazy. Like, wow. This is insane, you know, but wow. that's going to be reality, you know? Um, what, about, how does, um, how does like LIDAR and, and, and those technologies uh, fit with AI, which I know is becoming you know, a, a really hot topic in the construction industry? Yeah, I'll take that and run with it, right? So, um, you know, the holy grail we've been talking about is not how we collect the data, it's what we do with that data, right? So the AI component is going to be bringing in and saying, yeah, I've got LIDAR data um, and I can scan it and no matter what it is, I can analyze it, look at the shape of it, just like our human eye does and go, oh, that's a pipe. Oh, that's a boiler. Oh, that's a wall. That's a window. That's a door. And be able to analyze all that data and turn it into a model pretty quick. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we, 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 there, there's software out there like Edgewise from ClearEdge that, you know, as I said, it's not the easy button, but it's the easier button. It does about 80% of it pretty quick, right? Uh, we can scan, come in, and it does about an 80% model. Um, you know, with the push of a button and I'm doing air quotes, um, but it's, you know, it's just going to get better. That AI is just basically, you know, take what we're doing from a manual 3D modeling process from scan data um, and make that model a lot, a lot faster and more efficient. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Any, anybody else have anything to say about that? No, look, I think feature extraction is a huge piece, which is what we're talking about here, right? Mm -hmm. Automatic extraction and recognition of objects. But I, I think also the you start looking at like the Velodyne pucks, right, that are being produced and they're they're almost consumer grade at this point. I'm hearing a lot about um, uh, construction site safety and monitoring, right? And especially in this time of social distancing, they're, they're looking at using this as a means to evaluate where people are, it's a safety measure also, right? So not in the traditional sense that we're using it, but I think from the position of technology, the, the AI element is gonna get wrapped into the IoT and it's gonna get pushed into the actual management of that site and automation of it. Yeah. Now, you know, Ted, and, and as far as I'm concerned, I think AI is still a little bit of a parlor trick. Um, what are you seeing in, because, you know, you're on the bleeding edge of this thing and it's, 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 it's probably pretty scary to see how you try to make some of this stuff work, but what are you seeing out there and, and what's your level of satisfaction and forecast for the future? You're talking about like the easy button? Well, the, you know, the, the, AI to me is you have now put the building on the screen and you're going to put the goggles on and you're going to see the building rising out of the dirt as you walk up to the thing or in an empty space a ti 
they're going to see their their clothing racks and the, and the dressing rooms and the cash yeah, wrap yeah. And, and that kind of stuff. So where's that right now? Because as far as I'm concerned, it's still a little bit sketchy and it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot of talk. I mean, what's the, what's the boots on the ground? Well, I'll tell you what, we can go down a whole path on, you know, AR, VR, XR. Yeah, MR. You start, <laughs> let, let's just yeah. throw what MR, right? I mean, there's, it's ridiculous on the, the alternate realities that are being established. Um, as far as the AI portion of it, that, that artificial intelligence, I, I think that, that what it is absolutely scary. It's very big brother. Um, but it's less big brother than what you would see with like, um, uh, what do they call them? Uh, RFID. Right. So they, you've got a lot of like the, the tracking mechanisms that are currently being deployed where you physically have to get outfitted with it. Um, I think that a lot of the, the LIDAR and the tracking that's associated with that is going to um, help anonymize right, those being tracked, which is going to be a lot more palatable for the people that are showing up on site. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the passive RFID is something that we see a lot of pushback on, especially as you get into the, you know, flipping the switch on the facility. And now we're monitoring the, you know, efficiency of workspace management. Right. So, again, we can go way down a road there, but I, I would suggest that AI and LIDAR are merging together to make it a little bit more consumable for the average person when you're looking at construction space safety. Okay. So Ted, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so this will be the point of, you know, I think this has been pretty boring. I think we've all agreed with each other up till now, <laughs> but I'll, but I'll, so this is where I'll do a little WWF. Um, the RFID stuff doesn't scare me. I've been involved with the RFID from, so we've got a technology crew site for, that we sell and so monitor who's coming in and who's going and all that good stuff. That one doesn't really scare me that much. Um, it, it's it's not as efficient. It's very efficient for getting access for job sites that are a closed environment. And there's not a ton of them, right? So your high security ones are closed environments. Yeah, I can figure out you know who's coming in, who's leaving, but really finding out where they are. That technology with RFID is not there. What is scary um, is once again I'm going to hold up my iPhone, right? is what this thing could do, right? So the tracking technology in the iPhone um, with some of the stuff that Esri's doing, wow. <laughs> wow, that, that's, that's where your implications are, right? Of um, the big brother, right? So companies issuing uh, contractors, you know, their employees, iPhones that have all the tracking turned on. So where am I in the building? What am I doing? And now linking that to once again, going, jumping ahead, getting into the future, you know, what tool am I using, right? And do I have certifications to use that tool? So I know we, you know, we're working with Hilti a lot. And, you know, so you talk about, you know, survey stuff done by contractors, that, that stuff, that positioning stuff's being built into tools, hmm. right? So where is this bolt going to be put, right? Well, now I've got location of where my drill is, the angle with an inclinometer, what bolt was used, what was it torqued to, and all that information being fed back into that BIM model by the worker that's connected through his phone. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. So I guess we're headed down the path of uh, the direction, you know, this technology is going in the future, um, whether we like it or not, I suppose, in some cases. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add on that topic? No, these, these cats nailed it. All right, right on. Um, 
Gosh, I don't know. That's about it as far as what we had on the docket, I suppose. Is there anything else you guys want to make sure that that you get out there before we uh, wrap this one up? Yeah, Are you guys, just that this was a, a lot, lot of YouTube. fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Let's go on the line, Ted, go ahead. I, I was going to say, this is just a lot of fun, Ken. Thanks for putting this together. Kudos to you. I mean, this is a tremendous platform, and, and I had a blast with these guys. It's great. Yeah, there's, you know, um, I'll have to exclude myself, but there's a lot of horsepower here that, that you know, with a lot of experience and, and it's just great catching up with, with these guys that I've known for years and, and get to see again, which is neat. But we get to share our expertise with people who are either thinking or worse, they have it and don't know how to use it. I mean, let's face it, none of us wants a $50,000 doorstop and we all have them. I mean, Ted, you probably got a pile of stuff that never made the cut. You know, I do too, including software and hardware and things with propellers. So if we can cut the hassle factor and make things a little bit easier and, and, and kind of push things forward, as far as I'm concerned, all that does is help the industry and help all of us. So, you know, we're always happy uh, to lend this information and, and help where we can. And like I say, you know, you've got a bunch of people here that really know what this stuff does and how to make you successful. And it's a great advantage. Awesome. Uh, Robert, your parting thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll take a little different spin on it from a, from a vendor supplier kind of, you know, uh, to people that are listening, if you're approached by salespeople and they kind of do the show up and throw up and kind of, hey, look at my tool, look what it does, blah, 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 right? And they don't start a discussion with, hold on, let's stop, back up. What are you trying to get to? What are you trying to achieve? Then walk away from them, right? They're there to sell you something. They're not there to help guide you down this path of what technology is available and more importantly, should you be involved with that technology? Because there's a lot of times where I tell a customer, it's like, you're not ready for this, or this is not the right tool for you, right? So if somebody shows up and says, hey, let me talk to you about laser scanning, right? Unless they start with the discussion of, hey, let's, what are you trying to achieve and walk you down that path backwards, walk away from them. <laughs> Say, thanks for your time. Yeah, you're going to end up with those $50,000 yeah. doorstops. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, that's our whole life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's some great advice. Uh, so, Mike, I'll let you go last. Uh, before you do, I just want to make sure I give you uh, kudos for helping to pull this together and, and bringing this panel together. So I really appreciate that. Uh, another quality group. So uh, hit us with your final thoughts, Mike. Well, Kent, I want to thank you for, again, putting this on. Um, Marco, thank you for uh, accepting the invite. Always a pleasure working with you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Robert, th thank you for, for all your knowledge. And Ted, I mean, just from the few conversations that I had with you, you're definitely somebody that uh, I really can learn a lot more from also. So I thank all of you from, from being on there. But again, I want to uh, kind of run on Mark, um, what Marco said about education. We re our, our job in order to make this successful, if it's AI, to AR, to VR, to any of that, to machine control, to, to surveyors and contractors working together, it all comes down to education. It all comes down to everybody wanting to share the knowledge of what they're learning to expand the whole industry. That That's what we're here for. And that's what our legacy, everybody that's on this podcast today, that's what our legacy is, is what did we do to help change and grow this industry? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's a good point. Well said, absolutely. So thank you guys again for being here. Um, we always say, you know, after we go back and listen to the, our, our podcast that the best episodes are those where the, the guests are passionate about whatever it is they're discussing. And you guys are definitely that. So brought a lot of value. Really, really appreciate that. So thanks. Yeah, well, I, I'm only doing this till I can make it as a waiter. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to wait a while on that. We're on lockdown. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I don't live in a trailer yet either, so I'm really behind. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what we're going to do. When, when we release this, uh, this episode, we'll have all your contact information on there as well. So if anybody wants to reach out to you guys individually, they're uh, more than welcome to do so, as long as that's okay with you guys, of course. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Marco, you can bring me a beer anytime. Oh, listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm lining up, buddy. Believe me. Or you come, <laughs> come to Yarnell and have one with me. It's cool up here. Anytime. Deal. Deal. What you wish for, buddy. <laughs> hey, just come up. You just let me know. I'll be here. All right. Yeah, after good. watching you guys, I'm going to go home and have a beer now. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, as you should. All right. Well, be safe, everybody. And for everybody out there listening, thanks again for taking the time to uh, spend an hour with us. Hopefully you've found some value in this conversation as well. If uh, you'd like to host one of these or present one of them, have a topic, I'm sorry, that you'd like to present on or have a roundtable discussion on, reach out to us at info at and we'll definitely put something together. And uh, be sure to check out all our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. Till next time, everybody, stay safe and healthy. Thanks. You too, Kent. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Thanks again to our friends of the program. Please be sure to check out Land Surveyors United at landsurveyorsunited.com, Unifly at unifly.arrow, Bad Elf at bad-elf.com, and Parkland College at parkland.edu forward slash surveying.